Church, uh, good, morning. good morning. It's good to be together here in Artesia High School. A dream is now reality. A prayer has been answered. And uh, I'm excited to be here in Artesia High School. Open your Bibles with me, please, to Matthew chapter 7. I think we might turn there. We might turn another passage earlier, but we'll see what happens. But open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, New Testament. Actually, why don't we do Hebrews? Let's do that one first. Pump fake right there. Kind of what Ed O'Bannon gave Alden in the gym, probably, I imagine, behind us. Actually, my number, my favorite number is 11-2. And I've been dunked on, too. Uh, just not in this gym. Another gym. But, you know, uh, I've been praying that it wouldn't rain. And it was supposed to rain yesterday and today. So I, I, I pray specifically, just so you know. At 2 o'clock, clouds help yourself. So don't be surprised if you wake, make your way out eating some tamales there in the foyer at 2 o'clock that the rains will let all the, the rain clouds will let all the rain out. I'm glad that it hasn't rained and so God has answered another prayer. But you know, uh, welcome to our spiritual family here at Metro East Ministries. And you can call us the Gateway Cities East and we're excited. You know, the Gateway Cities is all the way from Long Beach reaching up the 605 to the 405 and it's, it's the gateway to the city of Los Angeles. And so it's as, as you come through Long Beach, it's your gateway to meet before you get to downtown L.A. And so I'm excited that we're here in Artesia worshiping God. Or Lakewood, or Cerritos, or whatever you want to call the surrounding areas. But you know, I moved here three years ago. Not because I planned to. But I really believe God works in our lives for different reasons. He opens... He shuts doors. He makes things obvious that we don't think are obvious. And I appreciate, you know, Aldwin sharing genuinely. As he lost his job, you can go one of two ways. You can get bitter or you can just get better. And I appreciate Aldwin just sharing sincerely and genuinely that, you know, God has a reason for all things in life. I don't want to entertain the fact as a minister that I know all the answers. I just know God's in control. And if we just submit to His role in our life that God will give you blessings. You know, I'm excited to start what God is going to do here in Lakewood and in Cerritos and the surrounding areas. But welcome to our spiritual family. You know, our church here in L.A. is about 6,000 members. And yet we're a small group. We're a ragtag of disciples here and now in Lakewood and Cerritos and the surrounding areas. And I'm excited. You know, when you get smaller, things get bigger a whole lot faster. When you're in a big crowd, it's easy. You know, if you have big families, we can all attest to those things. When you're in a big family, it's kind of easy to disappear. But you know, when you're in a small group, it's harder to disappear. And it's a greater opportunity for us to grow and be best and used for God. We're looking to build some great things in Artesia, in Cerritos, in Lakewood, in Norwalk, in Bellflower, Cypress, and Paramount, and La Palma, and Whittier, and Hawaiian Gardens, and Buena Park, and La Mirada, and Pico de Rivera, and Downey, and Santa Fe Springs, and Long Beach. I'm excited to really bring the gospel to these surrounding areas. And I really believe that the most important thing our communities need is not more activity. They need more purpose. They need more commission. They need more understanding of the gospel. And I don't know about you, but the video moved me. And it was a little bit maybe too vivid for some of us. If you've seen the passion of Christ. But for me, it gives me that much more reason and understanding of why I do what I do. I didn't move here for you from, from, from Vegas. I moved here to follow God's plan in my life. 
And I really believe God opened doors to bring me here. I really believe we're here because of a prayer and an answer prayer from God that three years ago and every day I walk around my neighborhood and this is the last street I come down. And I prayed, Lord, maybe we can meet in Archesia one day. Here we are. You know, when you pray, God listens. Now, He doesn't necessarily answer your prayers on your terms. I've learned that the 17 years I've followed Jesus. But what I have learned is when you pray, be careful. That answer might come when you least expect it. You know, our theme today and throughout the year is, is first century faith. And actually, I told you to turn to Hebrews, and I haven't turned there yet. I'm so excited. i got so much to share, and I've got a little bit of time. But you know, the book of Hebrews, turn there. Hopefully you're there already, and I didn't turn there, so I want to follow my own direction first. How about that? But you know, today, we want to talk about first century faith. We want to go back to our founding fathers and how they started things. And I think so many of us, whether it's a, a job or an occupation, or it's a sport, what do you always have to return to? you got to go back to the basics. And so for me, our theme for the year is first century faith. we got to go back to the first century, how they did it, to learn how to have the results that God and they had. At times, we can kind of create our own church. I want to welcome you to the church of Christ. Not anyone else's church. That we're here to follow Jesus. And just like anything else we pursue, we've got to always go back to the basics. And so today, you know, first century faith, I want to talk about being anchored in faith, hope, and love. And before we do that, let's pray. Let's go to God and pray. Let's bow our heads. God, it is uh, such an honor and privilege to be your son. God, it's great to be with friends, familiar friends, new friends, future friends, family, familiar family, unfamiliar family, and neighbors alike. It's just great to be here in Artesia High School worshiping you. God, thank you for the honor and praise you've given us, the opportunity for us to be here to worship, to have a little bit of a donut, or have some coffee, or have some hot cocoa, or Enjoy some new singing, or maybe not enjoy the singing, but just enjoy the fellowship. No matter what, God, help us have the heart that the first century had. They met in home. They didn't have a nice sound system. They didn't have a nice sound book. They didn't have a nice book of the Old Testament Scriptures. But what they did have was each other. And what they did, Lord, have is they had you. That, Father, no matter how, how distant we grow or how far we grow or how, where we lean or where we stray from, Lord, that you're always there for us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love for us. Please meet the needs in the fellowship. Please meet the needs in our own hearts and our families with our kids and our neighbors and our communities that, God, you would help us remember why you sent us. It's not to just be popular and be successful and make a lot of money, but you've sent us and called us, each of us, To make a difference in our life. To not just follow ourselves, but to follow something. To follow direction in our lives. And I pray that we would continue to follow Jesus in our own lives. Be with the needs, be with our finances, be with our our families, be with our jobs. Everyone within hearing distance of this prayer. Lord, bless their life. I pray you're with them, you encourage them. And that today would help us remember where we have our faith. And where we have our lives anchored in makes all the difference. God, we love you. Bless your time and your word. Help your word be preached and not my own. Help me step aside and allow the Spirit to work and share from my heart how you've moved, what you want to share, and what you want to say this morning. God, we need you. 
We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I want to talk about being anchored in faith, hope, and love. You know, our hope as a Christian is immovable. You know, our our foundation as a Christian is solid. An anchor helps you be secure. Just like a ship has an anchor and holds it firmly to the seabed, we must have our anchors held firmly to something solid worth living for. Hebrews chapter 6, join me in reading verses 19 through 20. The Bible reads, says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You know, I love this scripture, and here it talks about because God is truth and God's the creator, we can have security in what He says. But if we don't know where to learn about Him or read about Him, we can't have security. Now, we try to find security in different things, don't we? I mean, we, we, we have this pursuit of security. We have this long pursuit of what successful life is all about. And we have different ideas and different concoctions of things that we think is secure, that we think is firm. But for me, the depiction here shows that, you know, Jesus in the Old Testament, the, the, the priests had to go and be to the temple and go behind the curtain to even go for God's people to connect with God once a year. And when Jesus came and you saw that video about Jesus on the cross, when He died, He broke down that curtain. When He resurrected, He broke down that curtain so that each of us can have a relationship with God personally. We don't have to have a priest to intercede for us any longer. And that's the power of what the Scripture is talking about is that, that Jesus is our forerunner. Jesus came as an opportunity for us to find security. Because we can look around the room and we can spend hours, probably days, sharing how we've tried to find security in other things and where it ended us up. And we don't have time for that right now. But, but for me, it's just great to know that the security that the Scriptures say is that our hope, an anchor must be in Jesus. An anchor that's going to hold you for the long term to withstand what you're going to go through and the suffering that we're all going to go through. The thing that we need is an anchor, a connection, something to to grab the seabed and grab this thing, your life called a ship. Stop moving in a certain direction. And we all need anchors. And so for me, an anchor is defined as a person or thing that can be relied on for support. That's trustworthy. That's true. That's going to be there through thick and through thin. You know, our anchor is a heavy object. It could could hold us back or it could withstand the storms. You know, anchors are so important for ships. Now, if you've passed and seen the news as of late, there's probably a captain that's not the most popular captain now. He actually, you know, it's been said that he liked to entertain the men on his ship and women. And he would do risky moves. And he decided to get the crew and the boat a, a closer look to the coastline of Italy. And in that pursuit, they ran aground. And in that pursuit of running aground, 
the ship tipped. And the captain was not the last one off. The captain was one of the few kind of wanting to get off and make sure and take care of himself. But you know, on that big ship is a big anchor. And now he, he used not the best knowledge to get his ship anchored where it needs to be. But it's interesting that that, that boat's not going anywhere because it's anchored on the coast. It's, it's, it's rock solid, not moving anywhere. You know, and that boat has an anchor. But is it used for the correct purposes? To really anchor the boat properly. You know, anchors are so important in our life. You know, today, what are you anchored in? What's, what's, what's helping you stand the storm? What do you put your trust in? Because what you put your trust in tells me everything about who you follow. You know, how's the foundation of your home? How's the foundation of how you're doing spiritually? You know, if you've ever looked at the first century and, and, and you look at Rome and, and you look at the big Colosseum right there. See, in the first century, that's where Christians were killed. And in the ballows and the wallows and the gallows underneath the Colosseum are tombs of those who called themselves Christians. And see, they had a lot of things that they did and they went through that we're not even going to relate to. I'm not going to have my kids boiled in oil like they did for their faith. But their kids were boiled in oil because they wouldn't renounce not following Jesus. See, that's first century persecution. What, What kind of persecution do you face? Oh, you go to church? Oh, you're a Christian. That's about it maybe for some of us. And so when you look at the first century in Rome and what they went through, the catacombs and, and underneath the tunnels in the ancient city where many of the early Christians were buried, you can find symbols of faith on their tombs. Three common symbols appear. There's the dove, there's the fish, and there's the anchor. See, the dove symbolizes the Holy Spirit. The letters of the Greek word for fish, which is ictus, stand for the word Jesus Christ or God's Son or Savior. And the anchor came from the idea that as Christians... We're going to go through difficult, challenging times. And there needs to be a hope, an anchor for our soul. And so the world is like a sea with human life upon it, isn't it? There's, there's this heaving and shifting surface with great tempest, the rise and falls of life and the rise and falls of our emotions and our finances and, and, our, and our marriages and, and, and just schoolwork and everything and kind of ebbs and flows as we go along this thing called life. And what each of us need is anchors. An anchor to help give us guidance. You know, throughout the whole catacombs, there's 66 of them with a picture of an anchor. Out of the hundred. Because the the Christians believed, and I believe this scripture back then is, they had an anchor for their soul. They had a reason to do what they do. You know, people will anchor their souls in whatever feels secure. A good job, a nice paycheck, a nice relationship. Hey, a bigger home, a better 401k. See, if you put that stuff at risk and you look for something that looks more solid, you've got to have something that's going to give long-term results, not short-time results. And when our anchors are being, you know, scraping along the sea bottom of life and we're looking around for something truthful, something solid, we have to know why do we do what we do as a Christian? Where are your anchors lodged in right now? What gives you hope that's everlasting? Because see, last time I checked, that paycheck only lasts until you pay the bills with it. Isn't that true? 
So, so there's a, a certain amount of time frame limited on the things that we put anchors in. That, that, that job only lasts as long as you have it. And when that job's gone, who are you going to be anyway? Or, oh, now you're miserable because you lost that job. Well, because maybe you realize you put your anchor in the job and not God. Who provided you with that job. I believe it's through our own storms where we can find true victory. Anyone going through some storms today? Well, you don't want to raise your hand because I think all of us are. But there's a quote I want to read with you that really inspires me. It says, keep watch for the calm. Storms are mysteries. Listen close to their secrets. In them are the victories. See, it's the storms that make the man or woman who we are today. It's, it's the sufferings that we've gone through to help us be who we are. You know, Americans, as honest to say, we like things easy. We like to have variety. Not one fast food, but about 35. We are exceptional at being pioneers, about taking things and making things, and we've got 15,000 companies that do the same thing at different times. Just a different flavor. Bubble gum, 15,000 flavors. Hey, I'm going to come up with this flavor. Okay, what's the flavor going to be? You know, we're great at trying to figure out doing new things. But as Americans, we're not great at having being anchored in truth and foundation and following the truth. You know, look at the politics. It's almost embarrassing to watch politics on TV. Because they all want to stand for something. They all want to sell something. I'm not here to sell anything but Jesus to you. That I guarantee you, when you put your faith in God and His Word, you get a better return on your investment than your 401k. Guarantee. You can take that to the bank. Well, how do you know, Doug? Well, 17 years of my life, I've I've seen it. And I've tried all the ways that you're thinking of doing it, maybe you're going through right now. And that's okay, because that's part of the journey. But are we anchored in the right things that God wants us to be anchored in? we got to go back to the basics. Turn over to Matthew 7. That's why I said Matthew 7 early. Matthew 7, you know basics. And we got to go back to the first century. And you got to go back to the first sermon that Jesus ever preached. So Jesus gets up in Matthew chapter 5 and He, he stands up and he, and he preaches about the kingdom of God. And He preached about you know, what I'm going to start doing. He preached about the most important thing for us is our attitude. Attitude is everything. Yep. Because if you got a bad attitude, I don't care what book you read, how much money you make, it's not going to change you. Attitude is everything. But I want to look in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, but the latter part, because at the end of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, here's the summary of what I'm going to talk about. And He says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore, what that means is, Whatever Jesus said the previous two chapters, you better pay attention. Now, if you're like me at San Diego State looking for a Cliff Notes version, here's the Cliff Notes of what Jesus just talked about for two chapters. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice 
is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, because he has taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. You know, this scripture is, is one of my favorite scriptures because here Jesus is summarizing what he just talked about. And he says, okay, everything I just told you, this is what really you got to get. And, and I love what Jesus says. You notice in verse 25, you notice that the storms aren't an if or then statement. If the storms come. That's not the issue because the storms are going to come. Amen, church. I mean, talk about the storms in your own life. Did you know that they were going to come? Did you know the challenges you were going to have? You have no idea. The storms aren't a question of whether if. The storms are, hey, you better get ready. Because they will come. The storms are going to come knocking. They don't care what culture you're from. They don't care what house you got. They don't care if you rent or buy. The storms know no bounds. They love all people all the same, just like death. No favorites. Storms embrace everyone. You know, each of us have a storm. Is it the European debt crisis that keeps on getting worse? Is that the storm you're going through? Maybe yours is the storm of a debt level that's unsupportable now. You've got so much debt, you don't know what to do with your life. Maybe you're going through a hard time in your marriage. Maybe that's your storm. See, the question is, what's your storm? Not if you have one. Well, Doug, I don't have a storm. Okay, great. Just brace yourself. And I'm not going to wish anything upon anybody who leaves this parking lot. But I am going to say, I can't guarantee that the storms will not come to your door. Because they're going to come. But the question is, what storm are you going through? Maybe you've quit a job or maybe you got fired and you're, you're blaming God. I wouldn't blame God if I were you. If I were you, I would just be determined to say, okay... This is my lot in life. What, do I, what can I learn from this? And look at the opportunity. Look at it as an opportunity half full, not half empty. You know, what about maybe you're the captain of that ship <laughs> and life is going great until you thought you made some poor choices. Uh, he's going through a storm right now that we've got to pray for. He's wanted, he, he might be incarcerated for 10 to 12 years at minimum. He's going through a storm. His is public, yours is private. But we all have a storm. Can I get an amen from someone? It's too quiet in here. And I think, you know, for me, what's your storm? Maybe you lost a loved one. You're trying to cope with, with the loss of a father or a mother or a mentor in your life. You're going through a storm. You know, we all face storms, whether physical, personal, financial, spiritual, relational. What's Jesus trying to stay so trying to say that storms are part of life. Yep. Jesus is telling you, hey, you got two choices. You can be wise or you can be foolish. You make the choice. Now, I, I don't naturally you know, brag about the things that I've chosen. But I've made some immense foolish choices in my life. And I think, I think we all could spend time talking about those things. But I want to talk about making the right choice to be wise. And if you look at just, you know, well, I don't read the Bible much. Well, I don't want you to read the Bible much. I want you to read the Bible some. Because I want you to see what Jesus is trying to teach us is 
Those who hear my words and put them into practice are like a wise man who built his house on rock. See, you've got to hear the Word of God. You've got to listen to the Word of God. You've got to read the Word of God. You can't. It's not osmosis. Although I wish I could take my college classes in that fashion at different times. You ever try that? I slept with my book. Thought I'd be smarter. Didn't work that way. There's no shortcut for hard work. And, and what Jesus is saying is, you can't just call yourself a Christian and not know and read your Bible. You've got to read the Word and do what it says. Then you'll be wise. And most of my life, 24 years, honestly, I said I was a Christian but didn't know my Bible. Went to church twice a year. I was really on the edge, cutting edge before I was 24. Twice a year, I was, I was radical. Man, you were twice a year, that's more than me. But see, at different times, you think you're okay. See, perspective is so much needed in our lives. And no matter what storm you're going through, Jesus is trying to teach us, you want to be wise or foolish? You make the choice. And at times, we want someone to tell us what to do rather than having that choice, don't we? We would much rather like to blame somebody else for things that happen than take responsibility for where we're at in our choices and make the best of it. And what Jesus is trying to teach us from this passage is that if you hold on to His Word and you do it, there's wisdom. But it's those that don't know what it says and don't do it are the ones that are going to be challenged. Y'all know for me, before I found God, I had no foundation. Again, I said I went to church twice a year, but the Bible, didn't read it. Had no clue where the book of Hosea was. Never heard of Hosea. And my point is, I think so much, for, it's easy for us to find something that's convenient and comfortable for us than finding the truth. Because you can be in a nice big church, nice plush area, great singing, great worship, great choir, and still not have truth. That's right. Come on, bro. I did that for 24 years. And I think for me, the thing I love about Jesus the most is that Jesus tells you the truth. Yeah. He's honest. He's done it. He's lived this thing called life. And for me, it's so important for us to understand. When you hear His words and you put them into practice, you start to build it on rock. See, with a home, the most important thing is not the man cave. Right? Some of the dads think, oh man, I've got to have a man cave. Well, my question is, spiritually, are you just focused on that man cave or are you focused on your foundation? See, because to me, foundation is everything. What you build on is everything. What I mean is this. I've got two kids. I've got a responsibility for my two kids. You don't. I have to raise my kids. I've got to teach my kids priorities. I've got to teach my kids the the meaning of life. I've got to teach my kids the importance of this life. The importance of honesty. The importance of truth. The importance of respect. The importance of order. The importance of why I follow God. I'm not following God because I'm better than others. I'm following God because I was not where I needed to be for God in the first place. And it's so important for us to really take responsibility. For me, it concerns me to see not only our kids, but our society. Everyone wants, they send their kids off to the the meat market to watch their kids at school. And the school's going to raise my kids. No, you better raise your kids. It's my responsibility. I take it personally. It's important for me to help them with their foundation. To teach them why they believe in what I believe in and what they believe in. You know, for me growing up, 
You know why I went to church? And why I did certain things? Because the guy next to me did it. Even some of you today, the bread came, oh, what do I do? Do I break it? You follow kind of the lead of people, right? But isn't that our nature as people? Spiritually, we wait for someone else. Well, they're doing it that way, let's just do it that way. Well, why do you do it? You know, our anchors are so important. And for me, most of my life, 24 years, when I hit 48, then I, then I can say most of my life. But I became a Christian 24, but I, I made some horrible choices with my life before I became a Christian. I thought I had everything on. I looked good on the outside. Oh man, I had the car. I had the life. I had the girlfriend. I had the playing basketball state. I had it all look good on the outside. But inside, I had no idea how to be honest. I didn't know where to begin to have a true friend. Because man, can I trust him? You know that whole thing. Okay, we're friends now, but how, can I, how far can we go? Where are we going on this journey called life? And it's so for me, it's so important for me to look at. I had no anchors in my life. My anchor was women, my anchor was basketball, my anchor was beer. That's it. I found security in the physical. And I thought I had it all. And then when I sat down and started reading the Bible, I go, wow. Uh, I don't read what it says, and I don't do what it says. So is, are you saying I'm foolish? And I love James Johnson. He goes, I didn't say that. What's the Bible say? See, we got to go back to what God says in life and not what we think and what we feel because Christianity can be mamsy-pamsy in our society. Wow, it's great. Well, for me, I always ask people, well, do you read your Bible? Well, no, but I go to a great church. Well, that's great. But do you read your Bible? Well, no. You see, you see the reasoning behind that? It doesn't make sense to me now, and maybe it makes sense to you here. But for me, my responsibility as a minister is not to help you intercede you for God. My responsibility is to preach the word and help you draw closer to God. So you can have your own personal relationship with God. You know, there's three anchors I believe we need, three elements, three foundations in teaching our kids and helping our lives and making a difference in our communities. The first anchor is the anchor of faith. Faith is so vital. To suit. What do you believe in? Why do you believe in things? Why do you follow God? You know, for me, for years, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but for years, the only reason why I went to church, and the only reason why I did it, because my mom and dad told me. And because, what would everybody else think? Because, wow, at least I'm going to church. And, and I don't want you to come here and come to this church just to, 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 to have a seat and to be entertained. I want you to come to have your life transformed. To find meaning. And faith is so important to understand. Romans chapter 10. Three things. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. An anchor we need is faith. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. One anchor that we all need is faith. You know, over the holidays, May and I, we, we always go visit her family. And May's got, you know, a family ten times my family size. Yeah. And so when we, we come together for Christmas, it's, it's, you know, 20, 25 people, packed house, food for an army. You know what I mean, how Filipinos do it? They just feed everybody. <laughs> and they think they're feeding the neighborhood down the street. But we came together, and, and we had a great time. And it, it was awesome. And, you know, I'm the minister, okay? So they always, hey, uh, why don't you have the minister go pray for the food? Okay, I'm the token. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Let's go ahead and let's pray. So I'm the token prayer warrior, you know. But now I'm getting a little rebellious. I'm like, nah, dude, Glenn. You know, May's brother's a disciple in the Bay Area. Dude, your turn, dude. Come on. It's your family. I'm not blood. 
But, but you know, it's great to be with family, isn't it? But then with family, you're like, man, do I really want to be, I, I, I have to be an example for this group? Do I really want to pray? Man, I kind of want a vacation from Christianity. It's Christmas, you know? I just kind of want to disappear and watch movies with everybody else. But you know, for me, the, the amazing time about being with my family is I get a chance to share my life. Yep. And share how God has blessed my marriage, my family, my life. And amen, we, we've got a great family, we've got great kids, we're not perfect. But the thing I love about being with family is that your true colors come out. And they see me like you guys don't see me. And they hear me like they, you guys just don't hear me. But, but, but the point is, you know, I sat down, and it's one of those mornings, you know, all the kids go to sleep about 3 o'clock in the morning after playing video games. And it's like early morning, nobody's up. And I love that time. That's my time to kind of recharge my batteries and, and get close to God. And I thought I'm the only one there. And here comes my nephew and here comes his mom. And they're talking. They go, hey, Doug. Like, all serious. I'm like, oh, boy. She goes, I got a question for you. I said, sure. She goes, go ahead. Ask your uncle. And my little nephew goes, Uncle Doug, where does faith come from? I said, you know, that's a great question. Instead of me giving you the answer, let me ask you that question. Where do you think faith comes from? Jonathan, who's going to graduate in high school soon? He goes, I'm not quite sure. You know, I think from family and friends. And I said, well, okay, that's great. And mom, where does faith come from you? And she grew up going to church her whole life. She goes, well, you know, faith comes from friends and family and people can help you and influence you. I said, great opportunity. My Bible is open already. Why don't you turn over to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I'd like to share a scripture with you, Jonathan. Is that okay? You know, Jonathan, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of God about Christ. Okay, now, Jonathan... Based on what this scripture says, which is God's word, you agree with that? Yeah. Where does faith come from? Well, faith comes from hearing the message. That's exactly right. So what's the message about? Well, if it's about Jesus, it's about the Bible. I said, that's right, Jonathan. So where does faith come from? Uh, Reading your Bible. Okay, Jonathan, I got a question for you. How much do you read your Bible? You know, in, in your youth ministry you go to and... How's your Bible study going? Well, I don't read my Bible. I said, that's an interesting thought. Wouldn't you say? So what does that mean about your faith? Well, Uncle Doug, that means I just don't have faith. I said, what makes you say that? Well, because the Bible says faith comes from hearing the message. And if I don't hear the message, how can I have faith? Exactly, Jonathan. So would you like to read the Bible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some things to read. But why do I share that with you? I think as, as Americans, we just go, hey, you know, where's faith come from? Your auntie, your uncle, your upbringing. It's not about that. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the great thing is I can't read the Bible for you. It's your faith. And if you don't read your Bible, I'm sorry to give you a revelation. You just don't have the faith that the Bible talks about. Now, we do have faith in certain things when we admit church. Now, I had faith in my confidence. I had faith in who I was playing basketball. But how long did that last? My talent. My ability. I can't rise like I used to. I can't shoot like I used to. 
So it might last an interim, but hey, did I have, I have faith in my confidence in my flesh, but my body will not last. Yep. See, we can put faith in, in, in your job and your relationship, but you're going to let each other down. Right. Faith from God is what you need. That's an anchor I want to encourage us with. We need faith in the Bible. And if you're not reading your Bible, you just don't have the faith that God talks about. And that was the thing that, for me that, that was a revelation that came off my eyes when I first sat down and read the Bible, even as a Christian now. When I struggle in my faith, what's really the issue? I guarantee you, nine times out of ten. And I don't know everything. I know some things. I've been doing this for 17 years called Christianity. I know one thing. When you're not where you need to be spiritually, you know what the issue is? Nine times out of ten, you're just not reading your Bible. But church, where does faith come from? I want us to have an anchor of faith in the Word. Amen, church? You know, practically, feed yourself the Word every day. Read the Bible. Well, I don't know where to start. That's a great question. I didn't know where to start either. And for me, I had the King James Bird Bible. I couldn't read it. That's one reason why I didn't like coming to church. The preachers up there, Come thy willest thy brethren. Love them till thy Lord endeth, until thy Father. Now, I'm not mocking the King James translation, but I'm saying for me, I need something that I can relate to. Can I get an amen from somebody? And so for me, when I read the NIV, I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Faith, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. I understand that. Now, you know, the King's English, if you understand it, that's awesome for you. But for me, I needed something else for my faith. But equally, we're all on the same playing field. Faith comes from hearing the message. Feed yourself the Word every day. If you're not growing, if you're not feeling great spiritually, I ask you to evaluate your own personal Bible study. If you're visiting today, ask someone, show me about this thing called faith. And again, not that we know everything about it. I know 17 years, I've got more horror stories in my own faith than most people do in a lifetime. But you know what? I'm excited because, man, that's my journey. This is my life. And I'm changed because of Jesus. The second thing, the anchor that we need is hope. And we read that scripture already in Hebrews 6, 19. But the hope that's eternal is in Jesus. The greatest hope that we have is Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Jesus lived his life, lived his life in a pure life. Died on the cross, resurrected, and is now at the right hand of God saying, Hey, whenever you want to re, you know, be with your father, let me know. Come see me. So our hope needs to be in the right things, right. not the physical. Well, I love this woman. I'm not saying you don't love her. But she's only going to get you so far. Well, I love my kids. I know you love your kids. I want you to love your kids. You're commanded by God to love your kids. But your kids are only here until they're 18. And prayerfully, only then till 18. If longer, we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. And we'll help you along the way. But you don't do things for your kids. I don't do things because of Jackson and Jared. I do things because I want to follow God. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great friend. I want to be a great neighbor. I didn't learn how to do those things on my own terms. I had to humble myself and learn from God. From the scriptures. And that's where the wisdom in my life is permeating from. It's not me. I know everything. It's it's God's word. I tell you, it's God's word. It's my hope in Jesus that's my anchor that's helped me stand the test. And they saw you, you're waffling and drifting. You know why? Because your anchors are in the wrong things. 
And you're being anchored the wrong way. And you're being motivated for the wrong reason. Don't do it for people. Do it for God. And find a place where you can thrive and grow. But our hope must be in Jesus. A lasting impact. Eternal. You know, my question is, what could really hurt if you really follow the Bible? What could it hurt in your life right now? What could really hurt if you take time out on a Sunday to go to church? Is it going to inconvenience you? Yes. Will you get something out of it? Prayerfully. If not from the preacher, I'll pray for you too. But for me, could it really hurt reading the Bible? Can it really, how can it adversely affect you in a way that is going to affect you and damage your soul? It won't. And the problem for a lot of us in our city with Christianity, they just don't flat out read their Bible. And their hope is in the wrong things. I'm teaching my boys, hey, put your hope in God. We pray every day before school. Every day before school. Not that I'm better than you. I have the right way and the right kids. My kids aren't perfect, but I know one thing. When I put God first, He gives us blessings. His return on investment is immeasurable in my kids' lives. And I've got a long way to go with helping my kids. But for me, what could really hurt if you spend some time reading the Bible with someone? What could really hurt if you spend some time praying? What can really hurt if you spend some time being open and saying, hey, you know what? I don't know about faith. The real reason why a lot of us don't follow God the way we should is pride. Because we're so worried about how we look. Well, man, I'm not going to say anything. I don't read my Bible. My goodness, I'm getting away from this preacher. This guy's talking right about me. You can run, but you can't hide. And you can face it now or face it later. You, you, You can embrace it. Or you can flee from it. But I tell you what, I've learned. It's going to come back. And we've got to see, what's my hope in? You know, many of us have been around for a while. And I think we put a hope in, in, in our being a faithful member of the church here for so many years. But my question for you is, is your faith really growing the way it needs to grow? Is your hope in the right things? And the third anchor is love. You know, for time's sake, we don't have time to read the scripture. But write down the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 30 and 13, verse 8. I'll turn over there. Let's go. Let's go over. Tamales aren't here yet. We can't eat lunch yet, so you're forced to listen to me. The Bible says in Matthew 4 4, you know, the, the work of God is to, is to read His Word, and that's all you need for nourishment. But I promise you'll have tamales here soon. But you know, 1 Corinthians 12, just take some time to, to read that chapter in 13. Because that's an anchor of love. You know, a lot of times we've looked for love in all the wrong places. And there's a song there, I'm not going to sing that for you. But 1 Corinthians 13, in closing, the Bible says the verse. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. 1 Corinthians 13. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. What does love do? Love never fails. The thing that's missing in our society the most is love. Really loving your neighbor. Really helping someone in need. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They really don't care all the degrees you have. If they know you care and genuinely care for them, that makes all the difference. 
of the world. You know, every Monday, May and I spend time with our family. We have family devotional. Mondays are our days off. And Mondays are our days just to have family devotional. We have family devo time. And I appreciate my wife. She's so creative. She's so ingenious with the way she, she brings the Bible to life for my 11-year-old and 9-year-old. And I want to share, just in closing, our family devotional, Monday. And May says, hey, i got a great scripture for us. So we came together. We sang a couple songs, Jackson and Jared. And we're, you know, sitting down on our living room floor, just in a circle. <clears throat> we're singing a couple songs. And then May opens and says, hey, let's share about a scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. The Bible says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And so May just kind of talked about things about how we can honor each other. And so our activity from Monday to Sunday today was we want to find ways to honor each other. And it has been, the Lovegren household has been fired up. They're finding ways. Jarek's taking out Jackson's trash. Hey, Kuya, I'm going to honor you. My turn. Hey, Mommy, I'm going to honor you. She, he opens the door for Mommy in the car. You know, and it's just these simple things we think we take for granted. But, but the Bible's real. <coughs> the Bible's tangible. And if you just imitate, honor one another in love, man, there's so much love returned. There's so much opportunity to grow and learn. You know, uh, Jarek was funny because um, Daddy forgot water for the basketball game yesterday. And Mommy, you know, reminded me to make sure I brought water. And of course, did Daddy bring the water? No, nah, he forgot. And Jared kind of leaned over and said, hey, Daddy, I honored you. I brought water for Julia. And I go, man, isn't that awesome? Out of the mouths of Bay. But my question is, what are you doing for your family? To feed them spiritually. And I want to encourage us to feed them love. Get the scriptures, crack the scriptures. Well, I don't know where to start. If you don't know where to start, ask somebody. But just open the Bible and read the Bible and let it speak. But you know, what are you reading as a family together? No matter how old or young your, your, your kids are. You can't ever replace the things with putting the scriptures into practice. Because Jesus says what? He who hears my words and does my words is what? Is a wise man. And I tell you, when I put the scriptures in the practice of my family, it's reaped an incredible reward. You know, this, this week I want to challenge all of us. Do something loving for somebody. Honor somebody else. Someone in your family and someone that you don't even know. And here's what I want you to do. Don't even tell them you're doing it. Just do it with a great heart. And I really believe the amazing thing about anchors, the amazing thing about storms, the amazing thing about hope, faith, and love is when you actually do it, God pours the blessings in your life. You know, when storms come, we want to ask why. Sometimes we get the answer, many times we don't. A son of a wealthy and godly man threw a party. His ten brothers and sisters were there. During the party, a vicious storm blew, blew up. The house collapsed. All ten children were killed. Job cried out, as many of us do today, Why, Lord? Job was an instrument to demonstrate to Satan that there are godly and righteous men still alive. Jonah was running from God when a storm broke up in his life. He was thrown overboard and swallowed by a whale to bring him back into line with God's purpose for his life. Jonah returned and his faith was restored back to what it was before. The disciples were on a stormy sea of Galilee, fearful of drowning and losing their lives. 
Why the storm, they asked Jesus. Jesus said, so you'd learn to trust me. Are there storms blowing in your life? Is your anchor holding? Are you putting the words into practice? Are you going back to the basics and building your foundation on the rock? This morning, Metro East Ministries, let's be anchored in faith, hope, and love. I love you guys. Have a great, great Sunday. To God be all glory.